everyone and welcome back to Journalist Talk and in today's episode I have here Jane Paris and she's the owner of Beyond Words Production, a videograph business that tells heartfelt storytelling. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for what we're going to unpack in the next hour. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I always ask my guests to tell my listeners a brief biography about themselves. So the floor is all yours. Yeah. So um, like you said, my name is Jamie and I am originally from Sacramento, California. I grew up there and went to community college before I transferred to Cal State Northridge, where I was majoring in broadcast journalism. And I graduated from CSUN in 2016 and I got my first job on air as a TV news reporter in Sioux City, Iowa for the ABC station there. So I was there for two years and during my time there, although I was hired as a reporter, or what's called an MMJ, multimedia journalist, which means you're doing everything, um, I also dabbled in uh, being a producer and being an anchor as well. So I kind of got to wear all the hats of the newsroom in my first two years of experience there. And then I got a job in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I'm at now, um, as a reporter for the CBS station here. And I was there for about four years, and then I left news altogether in September of last year. And then in November of last year, I started Beyond Words Productions, which is a, um, a videographer. So it's a videography business focused on heartfelt and emotional storytelling for businesses and nonprofits. So when I left news, I found myself able to leave behind the news side of things, but I still really loved telling stories and especially heartfelt stories. I found that when I did that as a reporter, the days where I got to tell stories that were emotional were the best days. So I carried that on over into my new business. And now while I don't have to report on the news anymore, I still get to tell really heartfelt, compassionate stories that make an impact in the community. I thought that this idea is like incredible because I love storytelling and the feature side of journalism. That's something that I want to work with. I don't um, appreciate much hard news because I feel that it's over published and we don't need yeah. like that much negativity. And so you left your job and then like two or three months later you started your business so this was a project that you were already thinking of doing preparing it or was right on the spot um well there's actually a really uh awful story that it goes behind the startup of my business and i don't know that i want to um, go too much into it but i actually had a different job that i left news for um and I ended up losing that job because uh, the news station that I worked with uh, threatened to sue me if I didn't leave. Um, so I ended up losing the job that I had left news for and didn't have uh, an income and I didn't have insurance. I lost all of that. And I didn't really know what to do. But um, my partner has his own business and he was like, you're really good at video and storytelling and, you know, this new job that you had and lost, like didn't allow you to be the storyteller that everybody knows you to be. And you don't get to work with a video camera and all that. So why don't you just start your own 
business. Like there is a demand for heartfelt storytelling um, and you can apply that to marketing. And so anyways, he just planted the idea into my head and I just <laughs> went with it and started to do it because I had no income and I had nothing else to lose. Like I literally had nothing. Um, if it weren't for him, I probably would have lost my home and everything else because I didn't have money and all that. So uh, I started my own business and it has been going really well. And it was just a blessing in disguise for me. So here we are a year later, me loving it, honestly. That is great. And congratulations that it's already a year old, your company. That is yeah, a big you. achievement, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I saw that in your LinkedIn, that is my, my main source for all those interviews, um, you you have your name as a storyteller, owner, and videographer. You don't identify anymore as a journalist? No, uh, because, I mean, I will, I guess I will always have that title at heart because of its storytelling, but I'm not doing journalism anymore. I'm telling stories. And I think there, there is a difference. Um, and even in news, there was a difference between reporting and storytelling. Uh, storytelling is finding the emotion. You know, when you read a story you or you watch a movie that's telling a story, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's character development, there's plot twists, there's all these things. You don't necessarily have that in journalism, right? And when you're doing a report, but in storytelling, you do. Um, you have to find a character, you have to develop them and all that make people care about them and invest in them. Um, so there is a key difference in that. So um, no, I don't, I don't, hold the title of journalist anymore just because journalism is not the focus of my business anymore yeah I always liked storytelling too uh my main goal at the end of the day is publish some books mm -hmm. and why did you go towards the video part of storytelling and not like writing books or anything is that something that it was always inside of you uh, what what made you choose like videography and storytelling together to answer that i do need to back up a little bit and when i was going to community college in sacramento and sitting down with the counselor to choose a major i didn't really know what i wanted to do um i had kind of a troubled upbringing so i spent a lot of time being creative and crafty because in my in my head was the main place that i spent most of my time was with my own thoughts. And so writing poetry actually was very therapeutic for me. And that's how I got into loving writing. So when I was sitting down with this counselor, she's like, well, what do you like to do? And I was like, well, I like to write poetry, but I don't necessarily want to make a career out of writing poetry. Like I just do it because it's therapeutic for me. And I just, it's a hobby. And so she's like, well, um, you know, journalism involves some writing. Why don't you try that out? And that's literally how that happened. How <laughs> I fell into journalism. Um, so what was your question again? <laughs> I feel like I got, got off track a little bit. No, it's okay. It's so why did you went towards the part oh, of video. videography okay. instead of yeah. writing? <laughs> okay, gotcha. So yeah, I started taking journalism classes and then I started like getting into like, I, I dabbled in different um, paths of journalism. So I did, you know, the newspaper writing, magazine writing, radio, broadcast, And I found that with video, I got to really tap into my creativity behind the camera um, with shooting and editing, like, you know, being the artistic lens behind the lens um, to 
shoot the video itself, but then also you got to be creative in how the story came together. Like that was completely in your hands. And I love that creative control. So I found that doing video allowed me the most creativity that was very visual and it required the least amount of effort from an audience to understand what was going on. Um, And what I mean by that is that our attention spans are so short now. Like it's like, I think it's like eight seconds that our attention span, if you don't capture my attention in the first eight seconds, people are just going to keep scrolling. They're going to move past. And so people don't read a lot, you know, they skim. And so I found just for me, the most fulfilling thing was to put a video out there that was short to the point, fast, but compelling um, because that requires the least amount of effort from your audience. They don't have to sit there and read and think they just watch um, and they get to see your creative ability and um, get told a, a compelling story along the way. And where did you find those stories? Like as a reporter, where did I find those stories? As of right now, in your in your new business, how do you find the one character that you know that you can develop to a very nice video? So right now I work with a lot of businesses and nonprofits who struggle to find their story. And because of my background in news in picking out the main character. And how I do that is I find the person that has uh, the most authenticity and the most, they're impacted the most by the work that the organization does, or they're, they are the whole why behind the business. So I help businesses by kind of interviewing them using my journalism skills to figure out, okay, who in this organization, we're going to pinpoint it down to who your video is going to focus on um, to tell them the most impactful story. I don't want someone who is very uh, scripted, who has to have a script or has to prepare in advance to tell their story. I want someone that can speak from the heart, that feels everything that they're going to say and can say it without any preparation at all. Uh, that's who I want. And that's, that's again, the journalist in me talking, because when you do news stories, uh, you don't, you don't prepare any of your interviewees with questions beforehand, right? Like they need to be able to say it and give a raw, authentic, honest answer off the cuff. So that's what I help people find is who is going to be the best person to do that on camera. I love that. And I saw that you, I think was today or it was like your recent post on LinkedIn. It was literally about that. And I was like, that's perfect. (laughs) She doesn't know any of the questions that I'm going to ask her. (laughs) So I appreciate everything that you're that you're speaking here because I know everything is coming like from the heart and it's like very raw and it's it's you (laughs) yeah and all the stories and business and non-profits that you find are they local where you live right now or are you open to travel go in the U.S. outside right now all of my business is local so I've grown my business because I've spent the last year networking my tail off. And so that's how I've gotten business is word of mouth. And that is how like the most effective way to get business. I don't spend money on marketing and advertising. Like I am going in person to these networking events, introducing myself and selling myself. Um, And I tell a lot of businesses the same thing, the same method that I apply to how I sell my business. You don't sell a product or a service, you sell an emotion. So I've seen 
so many in my networking groups, like real estate agents, bank tellers, like there's so many of these people that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing. So why should they go with you? They have to like you. They have to care about you. So you have to sell yourself and your story. And so that's exactly what I do when I'm networking. And that's how I've been able to find all these stories. So, um, you know, that, that has put me in a very local bubble, but I am willing to travel, um, for the right project. I've traveled to like Milwaukee and Chicago for certain things. Um, but that's still fairly local, like within a two hour radius, I'm willing to travel as my business grows, um, for the right project and the right compensation, obviously, if I'm going to be traveling. So that's, yeah. just, that's still to come. <laughs> that is really good. It's one year old and it, it's okay that it's local right now, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna, it's gonna have a great launch across the U.S. I, I believe in your work. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I believe in it too. It's just, uh, it's a lot of work to be a business owner. And this, like I said, I never planned on doing this. It just kind of happens. So I'm learning as I go. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really good step for me outside of journalism, which is a career that I never really thought that I would have left, but ended up leaving. So it's cool. Yeah. And how was this process of leaving journalism? Did it get to you like emotionally or inside of your head or something like that? Yeah. So like I said, I never planned on leaving, right? This is a career that I wanted to be in and thought I was going to be in forever. I, when I first went into this and I was starting to really get on to the journalism train and I loved it. I loved everything about it. I thought it was the coolest job in the world. Uh, you know, I had dreams and aspirations of being on the Today Show and going network. And that was that was a very achievable dream for me. Um, but I think after six years of doing this, um, I saw a lot of other people leaving as well. And um, I don't I'm not really one to get uh, do things just because other people are doing it. I understood why other people were leaving, but it wasn't my time yet. And I was like, well, that doesn't bother me that much. That still doesn't make me want to leave, blah, 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 blah. But I think after six years, I did get jaded with certain things and realized that the job was no longer sustainable or feasible for my goals in life outside of news. Um, so I thought about leaving for about six months to a year before I actually left. Mm -hmm. And then I started it. You know, it hurts because it's like you don't want to leave this career. I put I put all of my time and energy into this. I paid thousands of dollars to go to school for this. And it almost felt disappointing that like, you know, this this dream that I once had is not my goal anymore. And it's hard to let go of that. But I think once I finally accepted like the the balance between what happens if I stay in news, where is my life going to be? And then if I leave news, the potential for that as well. And over months and months of thinking about it and looking elsewhere, wh what other opportunities I could have had, I was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to make the jump and go because I know that journalism, that world will always take me back if I ever want to come back. But if I never make the leap and go, I'm never going to figure out what else is out there for me. So ultimately I decided to do that and it was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but do you have any regrets of working on the field as a journalist? Absolutely not. No. Uh, I think, although I, I said I was, I became jaded of certain things, the skills that I gained and the qualities of what make me the human that I am today, 
Um, I would have never gotten that if I hadn't worked in news. It gave me a very thick skin. It gave me a very big heart. It gave me uh, a path of empathy that I would have never had. Uh, it just made me a better human being. And it just made me so um, emotionally intelligent, but also very efficient at creating content videos for people because, you know, as a journalist and in broadcast, you're working on deadline. So you have to get a story out very quickly. And that is something that has helped me so much in the business that I'm running now is producing quality content quicker than most other video production companies are able to do. Because the more videos I can get through, the more money I'm going to make. Whereas, you know, some other video agencies that are running take months and months and months and months and they're going to make a certain amount but it's going to take them so long. So it, you know, they don't, they don't make as much. So I do not regret journalism at all. It is, it helped me in many, many ways. And you said journalism entered your life talking to the counselor that you like to write poetry and all, but how storytelling came to your life? Was it reading, watching something on TV? How you know that this is your calling? When I was working in at the ABC station in Sioux City, Iowa, I got connected to some other uh, journalists just through Facebook groups, and a lot of them were recommending this storytelling workshop that happens in Norman, Oklahoma. And I knew that I couldn't get there myself because I didn't have the money to to pay for the workshop or to get the hotel and the travel expenses. So I applied for a scholarship to go, and I didn't think I was going to get it. But I was basically, in my application, I was just pleading of how desperate I wanted to be better at what I was doing. And so many people recommended this workshop. You know, I gave them this whole emotional story, and I ended up winning the scholarship. So I went to this storytelling workshop, and it completely changed my life. Um, before I went to this workshop, I was simply a reporter. But after I went to this workshop, I came out a storyteller and realizing the difference and the, the impact that a true heartfelt story can make versus a report. So we got to see lots of examples of, of a story done in a traditional reporting way versus that same story taken and done in a more emotive storytelling way and the difference it could have made. Um, and so going to that workshop changed my life and made me a storyteller. And, uh, and then after that, I told every story in this other way that I possibly could. Um, yeah, it was just way more meaningful to me. Yeah, and I love that you actually use storytelling to get a scholarship, to go learn more about storytelling. That's, mm -hmm. I love when yes. life has these parallels between what we learn and like what we are actually doing. Yeah, but absolutely. <laughs> is there any story that you consider your best one that you ever told, either on a news outlet or in your in your own company? Yeah. So in, when I was in news, this happened while I was at the CBS station here in Madison. Um, the story that impacted me the most, like I literally ugly cried on air <laughs> in the morning show for this story. But there was a man here who um, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer and his son reached out to us and said, hey, like my dad got this diagnosis and I would like to give him, you know, a Christmas that he's never going to forget because this is probably going to be his last Christmas. And so I'm trying to see how many Christmas cards we can get for him uh, for this year. And I think it was in like 
a month and a half before Christmas actually happened. So I was like, oh my God, that's like such a beautiful story. I love that. Like, let's get your dad some Christmas cards. So we went and did the story, um, told, you know, interviewed his dad and the son that originally reached out to us and it aired. And so the, my tag out on camera was if you would like to send Gene was his name. If you would like to send Gene a Christmas card, here's the address that you send it to. And that was that, uh, within a month, they received about half a million cards from around the world. And oh my God. They received gifts from players in the NFL, signed memorabilia from the Packers, like just crazy amounts of gift baskets along with the cards were sent to them from literally around the world. So we did a follow-up story where we revisited this family and showed like what this story did for them and how this... Christmas was, you know, his last, but the most memorable Christmas that he could have ever asked for. And which is, you know, which was the goal of the story, but I I don't think they realized like how big it was going to be. So their entire garage was like filled and stacked with Christmas cards. And it, um, so Gene ended up passing away uh, in February after that Christmas and they still hadn't gone through all the cards. So um, the wife, his wife um, said, you know, I, I made a, a, a vow or an oath to, uh, to Jean that I would look through every single one of these cards. So she, she did for months and months and months um, until she got through every single one of them. And yeah, so I would say that that was the most impactful story that I did. And the follow-up story when that aired, like, I ugly cried on air because I was like, I this is the power of video and how when you tell a story that is emotional and from the heart, uh, that's, that's humanity, you know? Like, people connect with that. It doesn't matter if your video is the most well-produced thing on the earth. It's just a matter of can you make people feel something? Um, so that was in news. And then, um, one that I recently did within the past couple of months. So this is now business, uh, business side of storytelling. There's an organization here in Madison called free bikes for kids. It's a nonprofit. It's pretty much exactly as it sounds. They give out free bikes to kids and adults and whatever that, uh, need bikes. So the, uh, the executive director of free bikes for kids told me that she had applied for a grant, um, but she was denied the grant. And so she had, she asked one of the board members who, um, had denied, she's like, can I just know like, you know, what I could have done better or why I was denied this grant. And they told her that they didn't see how a bike was impactful enough to receive grant money. And so, uh, when we did our video together, she told me the story of this 16 year old boy who was living in his car with his mom and so while the mom would take the car and drive to work every day this boy was walking around um you know vulnerable had nothing to do was very high risk situation um so someone from the organization free bikes for kids came and like offered him a bike and he took it and he used that bike to go get a job and bring them out of homelessness and so we we told that story through a third-hand account and I was like, I hope that you go take this video and reapply for that grant and show them how impactful a bike can be. 
So uh, that was this year. So she hasn't she hasn't reapplied for the grant yet, and I, I'm not sure if she will. But she's basically just using that as marketing to show how impactful their organization is. And so it's it's those types of stories that make you take a walk in someone else's shoes and open your eyes to a path that you might not have experienced yourself. So if she ever does go show that video to the board members who denied her the grant. Um, who are probably all people who were very privileged in their upbringing and really only saw a bike as a recreational toy. Now they can see something from a different lens. Like you now have this account of that a bike is not just a toy for people. Like this is a lifeline for some people. Like this is how they, this is transportation for them. So I love doing stories that make people change their minds and open their horizons to new possibilities possibilities of things that they never even experienced themselves i love those stories honestly <laughs> I, I feel like the one that you told on the news i would ugly cry as well <laughs> i would ugly yeah. cry doing like a comeback story like hey we just visit and he was so happy but oh my gosh yeah, yeah and the second it one it's very impactful I agree, like, a bike is so much more than just, like, recreational. When I was a kid, like, it was that way. But nowadays, I don't have a car. I don't have, like, any transportation. So I'm like, what if I got a bike? <laughs> that would be, like, mm -hmm. literally my transportation from school to work to to my home. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, it was, can change lives. When I was going to CSUN, I didn't have a car either. So a bike is how I got everywhere. And I wouldn't have been able to do anything if I didn't have that bike. So I know the impact of a bike. But now hopefully other people will see the impact of a bike too. Yeah. Is there any story that you judge was the hardest to record because of how heavy the content was? I've cried in many of my stories. <laughs> so that's the one that I just told you about with Jean and the Christmas cards was probably just the only time that I have been visibly seen on camera crying. But I've cried behind the scenes on many stories because I, I gravitate towards telling the emotional stuff. Um, I don't know that anything for me is too difficult to tell because... I get so much fulfillment out of making people feel something and make, I, <laughs> I joke because I, I like to make people cry, but in a good way, right? Get, make them more empathetic and realize things are not just as they see the world. So I don't necessarily think that any story is too difficult for me to tell, but that's because I'm a, an, an emotional person and I, I speak from the heart and I know that that's what drives me and compels me to do what I do every day, but not everybody is like that so I think if you had had somebody else trying to tell this story it might have been too heavy for them they didn't they didn't know how to navigate how to tell it well how to do it justice but because I am an emotional person it wasn't too heavy for me because I've like I've been through a lot emotionally in my life so telling somebody else's is just it's not it's not too deep for me because I have felt way worse in my own situation so yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's just heartfelt storytelling to me and it's it's fueling my passion more than anything. Yeah. I feel like I keep if I keep asking you about all those stories, I'm gonna be crying right now. <laughs> there's a lot of heartfelt stuff that I could probably make you cry at one of them. Yeah. Let's not try, please. <laughs> Let's just keep on the laughs today. Sounds good. <laughs> Is there 
any advice that one of your professors, mentors, co-workers told you that you still use nowadays, that it's like kind of, you know, your rule number one or whatever? Yeah, I think it's something that I still apply today and that's that you're a human first before you're a journalist. Like, doesn't matter if that's your career, if you're married to your career, you know, like you're a human first. There's a lot of ethical things that will come up if you if you're someone that goes into the journalism field. And you just have to remember that um, nobody else, no, the average viewer does not see your story and your news telling or the behind the scenes stuff the same way that journalists do. Um, and so that was really important to me, uh, being human first. And that's honestly what made me a compassionate storyteller is because I always put that first. Um, there were times where I, I didn't have the final say in certain stories where I wasn't allowed, <laughs> allowed to be human first. Um, but most of the time, uh, that was the case. So I would say being human first is definitely something to keep at the forefront of your mind if you're going into this field. That's great. And going towards the end of our interview, do you think you can give someone an advice if they are too pressured to quit journalism to go after what they really want to do? I could say a million things about this because <laughs> I was in the same boat. Like, I don't want to leave. I'm scared. And I'm nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. But I am, uh, especially this year, have become very more, very much so like, spiritual and like exist not existential but kind of like believing that everything happens for a reason everything that happens to you happens for you and i have just in telling the stories that i've told and i know this sounds kind of morbid but especially with like you know gene dying and him having such a you know a short time with me um when i got to know him and just seeing other people you know no longer with us I'm like oh my god like life is way too short to be doing something that you don't want to do um, I feel that same way about the emotions that I carry now like human emotions whether you're mad angry all these negative things that are very perfectly fine to feel it's okay to feel that because you're human but don't hold on to it and so I tell myself if I were to die 15 minutes from now because you never know when your last moment on this earth is going to be if I were to die 15 minutes from now would I be okay with the mood that I'm in would I be okay knowing that I worked 40 hours a week 40 plus hours a week for someone that didn't give me a, the time of day to hear me out you have no idea when your last day on this earth is going to be and so you should live every single day like it is your last if you're not at a job that's making you happy leave period <laughs> and if your goals are way bigger than your job is going to allow you to achieve, like kind of what I went through, leave. Like you're not living this life for other people. And if they don't show you that they're here to support you and they're not for you, then there's nothing wrong with cutting out things that no longer serve you. I'm speechless. of beautiful words. Love that. Yeah. And is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners that we didn't discuss today? Just more of what I what I was basically just saying is, you know, do what makes you happy. If it is no longer serving you, cut it out. Perfectly said. <laughs> Wise words. <laughs> Love that. And I just wanted to thank you so much for coming and talking to me today in the podcast. I loved our conversation after basically almost two years, I think, right? Yeah. So... Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and for all the listeners, I'll see you guys in the next episode.